The bass is crashing in, and we're back coming at you live with DLC, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. Oh, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Hey, are you going to PAX Prime in Seattle this weekend? So are we. We're hoping that you'll come to our live panel at 1 p.m. this Saturday at PAX Prime in Seattle. I wanted to say that right at the top. It's going to be awesome. Garnett Lee is going to be our guest. Christian and I will be holding it down, and we may have some extra special surprises coming at you as well. We'd love to have a big packed audience there, and we'd love to meet all of you. So check your local listings. It's 1 p.m. I'm not sure the name of the theater we're in, but if you're coming to PAX, boy, we'd love to see you. It'll be a good time. Uh, DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Hover, and Cashfly. Oh, wait, did I forget something? Squarespace! They're bringing that show to you, and DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who turned heel way before Jon Stewart ever did. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. And uh, Seattleites, is that a thing? Or PAX people? I will also be um, at the Comedy Underground this Thursday through Saturday. One show Thursday, two shows Friday and Saturday. If you are there and you want to take a break from gaming, I would love, 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 love to see friendly faces. Hit me up. I can uh, throw you on a guest list. Most likely pack people in. Um, it's Thursday through Saturday at the Comedy Underground in Seattle. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, so pleased to get all the good feedback from the, the two shows that we had to record early and, and couldn't put out uh, live, especially last week with uh, Greg Miller. We had a good time. A lot of people telling us that we, they enjoyed that sort of departure from our regular format. Uh, of course, we did that show uh, that way because I've been in Europe the last two weeks, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that later on. But it brings me to our guest because no better way for me to talk about my time in France, which I did uh, have this this weekend, but with our guest. And you know, DLC, it does stand for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Dual Language Commentator. Because live from Paris, right here, right now, we have a podcaster in both English and French. You know him from the Daily Tech News Show and Pixels, as well as the Phileas Club and The Instance. He does a lot of shows, people, and I'm so pleased to welcome my friend, Patrick Beja. Bienvenue, Patrick. Oh, thank you so much. It feels so nice to be here. Uh, it's, it, I got right at home immediately. It's very, a very cozy DLC. Oh, and bonsoir. <laughs> I know it's uh, nighttime there. Uh, I it know is. that because my body is still there uh, telling me <laughs> I should be going to sleep soon. Well, hopefully we will uh, not confirm this uh, this feeling by making the show not make people fall fall, fall asleep, right? That's We're right. Yes. That, energy and you know I was thinking DLC stands also also stands for me for uh doesn't log in and cries because I've been trying to log into Hearthstone, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, we're literally recording this an hour after the grand tournament dropped. So uh, I appreciate you being here and not just opening packs, but I guess you can't log well, in, so that, that works yeah, out well. Yeah, no, well, had, had I known that they would actually release the thing right now, I would, of course, have declined the invitation and gone <laughs> to open packs. <so. laughs> well, you have good priorities, sir. 
Uh, all right. You know, uh, I, I kindly requested the world that, that there would be no big news stories while I was gone. And uh, it sounds like people obliged. So much so that there isn't a ton of news, but we definitely should start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Uh, you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter. That's DLCSOTW. Or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5DLC.reddit.com. A lot of cool stuff happening over in the subreddit, including somebody trying to start up a, uh, a Destiny clan for DLC and a lot of other cool conversations. Uh, cool conversation about science fiction that we kind of brought up a couple weeks ago. I encourage people to check it out. There's a cool community there. All right, Patrick, um, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider your story of the week? This is so hard. I actually, <laughs> I like all of those stories. It's like asking me to choose between one of my children. I don't have children, so I guess, you know, like asking me to choose between one of my gaming consoles. That's <laughs> the next best thing. Um, ah, gosh, I, I want to choose all of them. I think given the excitement that uh, I, I'm going to talk about other things when we uh, when we discuss the games we've been playing. But I think given the excitement that we've all lived through, maybe with the exception of, of Christian in the entire world, uh, I have to choose the release of uh, the, the grand tournament for Hearthstone because yeah. of the fact that it is a cool expansion to a cool game, but also because it's so incredible to see that tiny little thing having grown to the to the point where now possibly because a lot of people can't log into the game uh, but possibly also because it's a very popular game um it's when they release a new expansion it's first on uh, the twitch popularity you know the the number of, of uh, viewers it's above 300,000 now there are 100,000 people watching Amaz who's a pro player at Hearthstone uh opening packs it's mind boggling. And yeah. uh, I guess I should. Uh, so I, I guess I should be ethical and mention the fact that I used to work for Blizzard. I don't know at which point you guys are serious people and journalists. At which point is it OK to not mention this anymore and still be ethical? It's been how long do you have to year. not have worked there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long, how long is the grace period of not having worked there before? I don't know. I think uh, hmm. I think you are like me, and and I know you worked there, but but I think both of us have a very uh, soft spot in our heart for that company. Even after you stopped working there, you you know you're on a a podcast sure. that's all about Blizzard products called The Instance, which is very good. Um, yeah. So you know I think you and I are inclined to to love their games, uh, especially because they tend to be very very good. So I you know I kind of I'm right there with you. I always have to you know temper my. Yeah. enthusiasm because uh, or at least uh, note the fact that I'm I'm a Blizzard fanboy but um you know yeah. I think that there's a whole lot of people as you said that are on the Hearthstone train with us and it's amazing that this thing that kind of started as this you know all side project so to speak or I mean, you you probably know more about the origins of Hearthstone than than either of us because you were there for it um, but yeah, it, I don't think they ever know, intended it to be this mainstream, massive cultural product. Well, I guess, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I was there when the game was uh, being prepared and I, I was there when I, so for, 
for it to be clear to people, I was part of the EU PR team um, around the time that uh, Hearthstone was uh, was launched. I was there for about five years. And uh, so, yeah, I was part of the team when we prepared for the launch and everything and uh, for the announcement. And I think the one thing I'll say is that, of course, the game was being uh, prepared and made with all the love that Blizzard uh, can put into a game. But certainly... Uh, the, the company and the developers didn't know how big it was going to get. Uh, it was also a game that came out as a small project in the world where Blizzard was known for uh, the giant, you know, epic adventures that would take you to, to new worlds. And, uh, and then they, you know, that there's this uh, PAX East announcement and we get journalists there and we're like, hey, it's a card game. And everyone was like, wait, wait uh, what? What did you say? Right. And yeah. so um, even within the company, I was I was championing the game. But every when we you know, before we got our hands on it, um, everyone was a little bit skeptical. You know, we didn't really understand why we would go in that direction. But as soon as people would get their hands on the game it, for, you know, the few months that we had the, the internal alpha before it got released um, in beta or it got announced, even it was everything, uh, you know, it was all anyone could talk about. We were all so excited about this thing. And uh, and so basically having Shepard, uh, I guess I'm not uh, uh, I'm very bias toward this game specifically because I was in charge of, of uh, parts of the communication for it. But having seen that tiny thing grow into the, I think it's fair to say it's a juggernaut, right? There are lots yes. of different companies uh, uh, creating now trade, uh, trading card games online, partly I'm guessing to get on that, on that train. Having seen how huge it's grown, it's, it's very uh, heartwarming to me. And uh, I'm very glad that Blizzard has something to solidify their uh, thrones of gold to add to, <laughs> you know, the sides. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I think that I, part of the reason I like it too is, you know, I have such a soft spot for board games and card games in general that I think this is almost a gateway drug for people that only are familiar with video games maybe trying tabletop stuff more. And I think that's, uh, that's an exciting thing as well. Um, what about this news this week, uh, Patrick, about the idea that there may be some code in the newest update to Hearthstone that indicates there may be an upcoming co-op mode? Is that something that, is, that you would be excited oh, about? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, this is basically with the latest uh, update to the game client. Uh, some uh, data miners have found a few uh, text strings that indicate things like, uh, you know, the, the strings are, uh, well done, you've defeated the boss together, both player wins, and things like that. So yeah, it's it's looking like they might be working on a co-op mode, which is one of the many things people have been asking for. Um, I would be very excited to see something like that. There is, I think Hearthstone does a great job at making it as non-frustrating as possible uh, to lose in a game. I, the, mm -hmm. the, the different um, rounds basically make it so even if you lose the entire game, you've probably found a way to defeat the, the minions that were put in front of you for the next, you know, for one or two of the rounds and you felt good about yourself. So that works really well. But still, it's still a little bit frustrating when you lose, not, you know, to the point where you turn into a scream monster like you do, Jeff, on Heroes, I'm sure. Um, mm. But <laughs> but um, but it is a little bit frustrating. So the idea that you could, instead of, of going head to head uh, against someone else, but play with a friend and try to defeat really difficult challenges uh, seems like a, a very 
good, you know, very interesting addition to a game that is trying to service, as most Blizzard games do, trying to service a very hardcore audience and a very casual audience. I'm guessing this would be geared more towards the casual uh, uh, end of the audience, but uh, I, I would certainly be interested in doing that for sure. Christian, you're my friend, as well as my nemesis. So uh, would you play co-op with me if, on Hearthstone? I, I would, yes. I would if you asked me to. I would. I don't think you'd want me. This is me, me asking you to. I don't think you'd want me, me as your teammate, <laughs> as, your, as, your, <laughs> as your life partner, as your Hearthstone life partner. I certainly would. <laughs> I'm willing to try anything. For me, and this gets in, you know, for what I've been playing too, we'll dive into, um, I've been playing, spending time with the Black Ops beta. Um, there is just a time commitment and skill level cap that because of, we talked about this before with the change from arcades to co or to couch co-op to the internet where I'm just not competitive with people that, you know, like you, Jeff have made heroes, a, a main core focus of your life and people that do that for Hearthstone um, or destiny or whatever. And I'm more of a, to quote Janet Jackson, like a moth to a flame. Um, uh, I, I don't have that time. <laughs> oh, I do. I don't, I choose not to spend my time dedicating it to one game like Hearthstone. Um, right. So I want to be very good at it, but it's a really well-made game. And also Patrick, you can, I don't think you need to make the disclaimer at all anymore. It, you know, it, this isn't about being PC or not. This is about being, it, I feel like in gaming, it's the idea of like fanboys. Yeah. You have a preference. Everyone has preferences and things they like. And in, in the, the wonderful world of personality driven stuff, you listen to this show, you know what people like. And if you say you like Hearthstone, guess what? You're a fan of Hearthstone. <laughs> you know what? Like that, <laughs> that's all it needs to be. If, if you give Metal Gear Solid 5 a 10 out of 10, you're a fanboy of Metal Gear Solid 5. And that's fine. It's this weird world where it's like you can't like anything but have to review it critically. But then if you like it, you don't like it because you liked it. I don't get it, man. I, be be well, proud of you know. liking it. <laughs> no, I liked it. I mean, that is is no no problem. I, I guess the fact that I've worked for them, it, it could be seen as you know I'm trying to. I don't know. I'm not getting any benefit anymore. But I don't know. Yeah, you're Except all right. All, that, all right. That sweet sweet hookup action you get at the bar and <laughs> you drop that former blizzard employee card down. <laughs> <laughs> basically that's my my opening line um that's how i got my wife uh, actually you know i met her i had just started at blizzard and some i codes said for uh, packs. hey i got so. some codes for packs baby yeah uh, you want like, to open some free packs of cards and <laughs> i got codes but you know the the this you guys when you were uh, discussing this I, I just thought about something else which might be interesting it's the fact that maybe it's going to bring more people to Hearthstone because you can go and tell your friend, uh, yeah, it's intimidating to play against someone, but let's play together against the computer. Let's, you know, you, you give it a try and then they're hooked. And, you know, I don't agree with you, Christian, that it, you have to dedicate your entire life to the game to, to be good. You know, I usually don't get to the incredible ranks. I think you can play Hearthstone pretty casually and still enjoy it. Um, I, I I really think you should try it. You, you should play who used to work at Blizzard. Sounds like PR <laughs> <speak>. <laughs> Well, it has Blizzard. universal appeal, Christian. Universal appeal. <laughs> um, I as far as the co-op mode, I, I'll say this: it's going to be very interesting to, to me to see if and how this is implemented. Uh, mostly the how part, because it's a tricky thing, but it could be a really cool thing, especially when you consider. 
the idea of creating custom decks with you and a partner so that your decks complement one another or uh you know how is the turn progression going to go how are things you know am if i lay one card down does my card stack influence my uh my co-op partner's card stack you know do my buffs you know hit his trigger things on his cards etc i think all of that could open up a whole interesting floodgate of different kinds of decks to be built and that could be really really cool and and i i like the fact that they keep iterating on this on this design and you know there's there's there were two ways that they could have gone with hearthstone one is keep making packs and adding new keywords that do new things which is sort of the Magic the Gathering model, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. I'm a big Magic the Gathering fan and have been for years and years. But I, I think the more interesting way that they've chosen to go is to really kind of blow out the things that Hearthstone can do and and this tavern brawl mode. And, and I will say caveat, slight aside here, I know that Magic the Gathering also has a co-op mode and, and there are ways to play the tabletop game uh, co-op, um, you know, the it's it's established. It's not something new that Blizzard has invented, but I like the idea that they're willing to take the game into these new areas and new directions and not just add new cards that just sort of do one new thing or a couple new things, but really fundamentally affect the structure of the gameplay. And I think that's one of the things that makes the game so exciting for me. And and there they could even, you know, first of all, between two players against a, a computer, you could completely break the, the game. You could make it completely overpowered or, you know, make crazy right. things. It doesn't matter as much because you're not making someone else lose. Um, and the other thing is it, it, maybe they're going to make this PVE content um, something that is repeatable. Maybe uh, this is, you know, all of this is speculation from a couple of strings. So we really don't know anything, but right. it could be interesting to turn into some kind of, uh, uh, you know, dungeon that are repeatable like in wow or you know all of these mmos that have the end game content as repeatable stuff and i don't know it could go in really interesting ways christian what about you what's your uh, story of the week well keeping with the theme of expansions that breathe new life into the game or change it fundamentally um well the taken king is coming our lives yes. are also going to be taken by holy crap kiss your wife and kids her boyfriend, her husband, goodbye, girlfriend, whomever, mom, dad. Games kiss, are here, kiss someone. Kiss games, someone. <laughs> games are here. We are. Our lives are over until the next drought. <laughs> um, Taken King is coming, and it is you know a huge content release. I mean, I think arguably, to some extent, maybe Destiny Two, which is saying one of two things. One, it's saying it's quite a bit of content. Two, it's saying Destiny One didn't have that much content. <laughs> Um, uh, but the, the big, I guess, news, um, coming out of it is Dinklage is gone, right? That's, that's number one. His voice is completely gone. And Nolan, Nolan North is doing it and all is right with the world. There, somebody had the gall to have a video game character not voiced by <laughs> Nolan North and the what universe is, has corrected itself. The weird thing is though, is that, uh, he actually runs and hangs on cliffs now and like jumps and it's just, it's all weird. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that Jeep driving section is pretty fun, though. And then, of course, the biggest thing, I think, is the revamping of the leveling system. Light is no more. We now live in a world of darkness. Um, no. The well, light it's still leveling. there. It's, di it's still there. It's just different now. It just doesn't have the impact it used to the light thing. Right. It's basically your gear level. Yeah. I mean, it's not there in the way it used to be, where right. in the sense that you couldn't level 
at some point without grinding for light. Like that was required to get you up into the higher levels, 34, I believe. 35 is current level cap still, 34. Um, and now leveling is much more, dare I say, traditional in terms of how you do it. And that stuff will be coming across, this was from Polygon, that that comes to vanilla Destiny too. So that type of feature, you don't get the new quest, but the new leveling system. And I, I think this is kudos to Bungie for listening to feedback and involving this game into something that I don't think this was their original vision for their leveling thing. I think they were trying to do something new and what they thought was cool and unique and providing a maybe what they thought was a deeper level to a traditional level, leveling style. And I think a lot of players said, nah, bro, <laughs> we don't like this. And they reworked it in addition to dropping new quests, mission raids and all that stuff. And I, I obviously haven't played it. The game's not out, you know, the finished release or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot right in the Taken King. Is this going to get either of you, aside from the pricing model for the content, I think is a broken, broken mess. Uh, but is this enough to make you, Jeff, play any Destiny? <laughs> You know, it, it kind of might, and you brought up the pricing thing, but but all of this reworking of the experience points and how you'll get experience points for doing everything and all and the no no north voice and a lot of the things that Taken King brings along with it work retroactively back through all of the content that is Destiny. So you don't have to own any of the DLC to get that stuff, which is kind of cool because I don't. I have I still have my Destiny disc, but that's all I've got. And it might be enough to get me to jump back in, you know, because we keep having people come on the show, and I'm sure Patrick will be one of them, uh, another one of them, uh, that are going to say and have said how fun this game continues to be and how hooked they are on it. And I certainly had a lot of fun initially with it, and it just kind of dropped off precipitously for me. But um, I like the idea that I don't have to grind in the same way. The grind in the game really felt like the impediment for me, and so maybe... Sorry, there's a disconnect between the amount of grinding you had to do and the content you were receiving, right? I mean, if you're putting in these hours and hours and hours, but you're getting things that for most people justifies that time, you don't hear the complaints. But I feel like for the quote unquote average gamer of this type of game, they didn't think the grind was worth it. You would drive for 14 hours and you'd only be in El Paso, Texas, and no one wants to stop in El Paso. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sorry. So Sushi X in our our chat room claims to have 1900 hours in Destiny. Uh, there's a lot of doubt in the chat room as to that, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I would love to know what he thinks of this. Maybe he'll tell us, but um, I know we're, we're going to talk more about destiny in the, uh, on the playlist, Patrick, but are you excited for these changes to the experience points and all that stuff? Well, Jeff, I can't begin to tell you how much fun destiny is. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> So I I love Destiny. I'm one of those people. Um, I think the changes they're making are absolutely necessary. I think they're great changes. I don't think the change to, I mean, the change to the leveling system is important, but it's very formal. It's not something that deeply impacts the, the, the leveling system because in effect, what the light level was, was really your item level. And you would grind to level 20. I mean, you would level to level 20, which was max level. And then as you would get better gear, you would get those light levels that signified you were stronger. It's the same mechanic that you find in WoW and in other MMOs, you get to max level. And at the level cap, there's the new game that begins, which is let's get better gear to do better, you know, to get better, uh, stronger and do more difficult content. And now you get to level 40. And then when you get more 
more gear, your light level increases. And it's a, it's a indication of the power of your gear. So the, the big change is that it's going to be uh, uh, very different gradients. It's going to be a hundred to a hundred, uh, zero to 150, which allows you to increase your light level uh, more in a more granular way. And anyway, this is game balance stuff, but uh, I, I do think it's a, it's a better system. It's more easy to understand. I would be a little bit, a tiny bit careful about making this expansion into the quote unquote fixing of destiny because destiny came out as we know with a lot of hope and they rode on that hope wave and they didn't tell us exactly what destiny was and it turned out when it was released that a lot of people were disappointed because it ended up being uh, uh, you know an end game mmo shooting simulator and not an actual mmo there was very limited amounts of Right. I'm the guy that you're describing, the disappointed guy. Exactly. And I think there are a lot of people who are that guy, who are Jeff. There's a lot of mm-hmm. Jeffs is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but um, We are legion. So I, <laughs> which is the name of the expansion for a while, by the way. Um, the, the Taken King, I think, is going to fix a lot of small things, but I wouldn't call it Destiny 2. I think we're going to have to wait for the next one to really, which I suspecting might even get rid of the entire leveling of the characters that you've already had, or maybe not, maybe you're going to keep your characters, but I think this time it's fixing of some of the things that were broken, but fundamentally you're still going to be going through this, uh, very linear, poor narrative that they're going to improve it a little bit. Thanks to, you know, Nolan North's wonderful acting, but it's still going to be a, a silly story that doesn't really make sense. They're going to dress <laughs> it up a little bit, but I doubt that all of a sudden this barren world, it isn't barren, but you know, this, this, there isn't a, a, any lore that you can understand. There isn't a, I don't think it's going to all of a sudden turn out that turn into a wonderful immersive experience. Um, so I am very excited for the Taken King. I think more people are are going to check it out and like it. But I don't think that we can, you know, tell the people who didn't like it initially, come back now. It's going to be awesome. Right. It's going to be what you were hoping uh, it, it was going to be. But we'll see. You know, we don't know. The thing is what irks me a little bit is that we know very little about the actual uh, content of the Taken King. I couldn't tell you how many more, you know, missions there are. I couldn't tell you how many strikes, which are the equivalent of instanced uh, dungeons there are. Um, There's very little we know about the actual content. We know about balancing. We know about the systems. We know uh, there's an extra spec uh, specializations for for the characters. But content-wise... We don't have a lot of information. So if you're not already a Destiny fan, I would wait for the reviews before, uh, you know, getting really into it. So that's interesting. Mm. Patrick, do you think that to some extent then the fever pitch is setting up Destiny for a failure in the sense of only people again are placing false expectations in what this thing is going to be? Because, I mean, the Internet is abuzz with excitement for this game, but I feel like you're telling people to slow their rolls a little bit and and maybe if you're not already loving destiny this won't do it for you um i would think i would say that uh for me the internet uh you know the destiny internet the 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 subreddit and the people who already like the game are super excited and rightly so i i haven't seen people who weren't 
uh, fans of Destiny already be super excited. I think a lot of people like Jeff, <laughs> this is just going to be the, you know, the generic name of the person who was disappointed <laughs> by Destiny when it came out. So the Jeffs in the world, I don't think they're, they're getting excited about the Taken Kin. I, I, I might be wrong. Um, but if they just, are, I would say just, you know, settle down, just don't get your hopes <laughs> too high. I've seen a, a decent number of people asking me about, you know, and I'm not through, I don't have the DLC or the expansion, but I'm a, a casual fan of Destiny, I guess. I'm, I'm between the two of you where I really enjoy the game, but haven't sunk uh, 1,900 hours into it. Um, <laughs> you know, the best way to upgrade and to get this the Taken King content. And when I think it was interesting that Bungie and Activision didn't talk about, oh, what do they call it? The, the Basically the one use token that will take you um, that will allow you to dump, jump into Taken King content and upgrade you to what, level 25, 35, whatever it is. I don't yeah. know the specific. Yeah, 25, yeah. Um, you know, that was kind of a late news article after a lot of Taken King stuff had come out. I think that was interesting. But people seem interested in in giving this a shot again, but they just, it seems like they punish people that have the game digitally. If you, right now, it seems to me in, in the US, the best way to get this game is from something like Amazon or Best Buy if you have the Gamer Club unlocked and you could get the whole game plus both expansions plus the Taken King for 40 something bucks whereas if I wanted to buy the Taken King online it's like 80 bucks to get all that content I just don't get it but that being said people seem excited and they want to find a way to get this content they just don't quite know how to do it yet Mm. yeah yeah you know for me it's you know it's all caps shooter lowercase MMO and I was hoping for lowercase shooter all caps MMO. That's that's just sort of the balance I wanted out of the game and and you know they're making the game they want to make and, and a lot of people love it. So, you know, far be it for me to say one way is better than the other, but I just was hoping that especially with all this new content that's coming out for the game, I, you know, I want to be able to get other mounts. I want to be able to get something that's not just a, you know, a a land speeder from return of the Jedi. I think that's cool, but give me variation. Let me have variation in my ships. Let me have variation. Let me have exploration. Uh, you know, I, I wanted that feeling like I'm in this big world rather than just sort of instanced shooter stuff. Uh, but you know, maybe it's not made for me. So that's, then that's fine. Cause I have plenty of things to play. Well, then what's your story of the week, Mr. Frowny face? Well, uh, I have a good one, but let me first thank our sponsor. Uh, because it's time for that, we got to thank Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace before. Why? Because I use it. I use Squarespace and have done for nigh on eight years now. Uh, JeffCanada.com is housed on Squarespace. I use that to maintain my personal blog and have for many, many years. It's it's a great, great platform for any kind of online presence that you might need. You want to make a portfolio. You want to make any kind of web blog or online store even. Squarespace can make great looking sites that look professionally designed, regardless of your skill level. You don't have to do any coding to make something look great because they have intuitive and easy to use controls. It's all what you see is what you get. You drag and drop stuff. You make it look pretty. You just pull a picture over here. It's awesome. Plus, there's lots of templates to get you started, but you don't have to make anything that looks like everything else on the web because Squarespace is so powerful. It's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. And it's inexpensive. It starts at only eight bucks a month. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name, which is uh, pretty good, pretty good savings. Speaking of savings, we're going to hook you up just because you listen to this show. If you want to try out Squarespace, first of all, it costs nothing. You can go and you don't even have to put in a credit card. You can try out Squarespace. You can build a site, see how easy it is to make a cover page or 
even an online store because it's just a drag and drop widget that lets you have a storefront that lets you collect credit cards and, and PayPal and all that stuff. It's really cool. But if you decide to sign up, all you have to do is use our promo code. You go to squarespace.com slash DLC, and then you use our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, and we'll get you 10% off. That's pretty cool. It lets Squarespace know that sponsoring our show is a good idea. Bringing the show to you for free is a good idea. And it gets you 10% off. So check it out, squarespace.com slash DLC. Use that promo code Jeff sent me and sign up today. Uh, all right, guys, we were talking about expectations being very high. I have to say my story of the week, I, I think is just, it's not really my favorite story of the week. Not a lot of huge news coming out this week, but I think this is the most important story of the week, which is that the early reviews of Metal Gear Solid 5 are out and people like it. Uh, I think that's an understatement because it's getting tens. It's getting fives out of fives. It's getting very, very high marks. Um, I'm sure Christian, you're thrilled about this being a MGS junkie, but, um, the, the biggest, biggest thing that I've pulled out of the reviews is just how massive this game is. Uh, it really is a new kind of MGS game. It is an open world as we know, but it's also this massive hour mark that people have put in, uh, the guys over at uh, Polygon put in over 40 hours and they said they're still not ready to publish a review because they haven't seen enough of the game. Uh, so we have destiny. We have, you know, all these games that are such massive time sinks. I'm still trying to get through my OCD completionist playthrough of the Witcher three and manage my heroes of the storm dailies and all the other stuff and play new games at the same time. This game is just sounds massive and daunting to me. Christian, tell me what you think about, uh, the sort of the early buzz for MGS five. I'm I'm very excited. I mean, obviously, ugh, I think there's the possibility that some people will be disappointed by this game because we're in the world a little bit where it's, um, you know, if you've never played a Metal Gear Solid, is this the game to jump in on? I don't know. I haven't played this game. But man, from what I hear of this game, it sounds incredible. It sounds like uh, we talked about it on last week's episode with Greg Miller, you know, my love for Peace Walker. And this seems kind of like Peace Walker two or peace walker seven maybe in terms of its scope um in terms of diving in and being lost in this game yeah it sounds absolutely massive i think the way that they've changed the storytelling mechanic in the game and giving this open world and letting you set up your your play style or how you want to take down villages and, and enemy encounters and stuff like that this is this is a good time to be a gamer and i think this console generation while you know maybe a slow first year and a half two years you look back at some of the games that have come out already and the games that are coming out soon. And I mean, there are some there are some really great, great games that are already out and then Metal Gear coming out now. I don't know, you know, unless you hate the series, how you can't be excited for this. The only thing that makes it a little sad is, you know, the stuff that's come out about how Konami treats their employees and the stuff that happened with Kojima. <laughs> um, yeah. But this seems I'm not laughing there to make light of it. Sorry, it's that's how I deal with awkward situations is laughing. Um but this seems like an awesome swan song for for Kojima and, and how he managed to start a new franchise almost after ending it so nicely as one could end a Metal Gear Solid story and Metal Gear Solid 4 and now taking those characters in that world and doing something very new and different with it while still being true to the series mechanics. Patrick, are you an, an, an MGS guy? Is, are you, uh, is the hype train rolling down the tracks? Um, I... 
so I wanted to. I, my history with MGS is is a very complex one. I absolutely adored the first one. You know, it was one of those games from the the first 3D games on on PS1 that ushered in the era where we thought games were kind of like I think you discussed this in the the previous episode which was excellent by the way go go listen to it if you haven't um like games can be as good as movies right and and MGS1 was one of those things where it was like this spy that goes into this base and there there's the Russians that we don't know where they're here and he there's this incredible story with the les enfants terribles and the two twins and the I'm going to spoil a little bit of MGS1 is that okay it's yes, like 20 years old. So <laughs> you, you, do, you do have to say, though, that you once worked for Blizzard before you spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, the, the two twins, and then you find out that there's a third one, and you're like, oh, my God, the third one is that is a, a, a senator or something. He's running for president in the U.S. What is going to happen? And this is amazing. And then, you know, I was... I was in Japan. I, I lived in Japan for a few years and I got MGS2 and I was like, yes, I'm doing it. I'm in Japan. I have a PlayStation 2 and I'm, I'm living the, the Konami way, right? And I boot the game and there's this weird cyber ninja dude that I can get behind. No problem. Cyber ninjas are cool. But then you have the, the, his, his girlfriend is calling him every two seconds while he's on a mission. And there's this super weird Otakon version of Otakon that even more otaku than he was before. And the <laughs> president has like tentacles coming out of his body and what did you do to my game like i didn't I, and i completely fell off the, the the mgs path at that point and uh so i haven't played an mgs game since and i really want to love mgs5 but i played uh, ground zeros for a little bit and i i just couldn't get into it really? so i'm oh man no i know I, but i want to you know there are i think everyone has some of those games where you're like you, I, I, it's a little bit the same with The Witcher. I, I really want to like it, but I just, I don't manage to. But with the reviews that MGS5 is getting, I'm feeling like I, it's the kind of thing that I can't not at least get and, and play. It's it's so impressive, the kinds of scores and, and uh, accolades it's getting. I'm actually getting back on the on the train and sort of, you know, choo-chooing my way to the release date. And I think I'm, I'm going to get it. When a game gets such a universal uh, uh, seal of approval, if you're a gamer, it's the kind of thing where you just have to bite the bullet and, and give it a try. And if you don't like it, then never mind. But you can't not see it. It's like, you know, Mad Max in the movies. Everyone was raving about it and saying it was revolutionary. You couldn't not see it. So let me, yeah. let me frame the, a, a different question, though. Uh, KF17 in the chat says these games are almost too big to be good. We have games like The Witcher. We have we have games that really have an infinite amount of time you could put into them, like Destiny, like MOBAs, like Minecraft, and you know there's there's games like that. But then there's these other games, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, The Witcher, uh, you know Metal Gear Solid Five now that are and, and even Batman, even uh, Arkham Knight was was another game like this that had has so much content. Of course, none of us is going to say more content for the same price is bad. And of course, you know, I, I, I'm very much in favor of value for your money, but what, 
what is what is this? <laughs> what are we sort of falling under this mountain of things to do in these games? Is everything that you can do in these games equally as justifiable as fun as do we need these games to be this big? Should these games be this big? I, I don't know. I, there's again, I know that uh, value is great, and if you're enjoying being in that world, having more to do in it is always a positive thing. But this is these games are massive now, and I'm not so sure that I think gaming appeals to a certain subset of people, and I will comfortably lump myself into this that are collectionists and people that are have compulsions to finish things and. You know, so in that respect, some of these big games feel daunting and scary because you're you're like, oh, I can do all of this. I can collect all of these orbs. I can get all of these flowers and do all these missions or whatever. But I I don't think that is fair to then critique the game for you not being able to handle your um, autistic tendencies to pick up all the matchsticks and touch the doorknob 14 times before you leave the house. (laughs) Because as long as the main thrust of the story in in this world that they tell and the gameplay mechanic is fun and enjoyable if you as the player stress out because you feel compelled to do all of these side quests you know that's on that's on you and if you burn out of the game because you spent a hundred hours trying to get the flowers just because you can get the flowers you know doesn't mean you should but i don't think a developer having those options in the game you know it warrants knocking the score or the the thoughts of the game down it it, i think it's almost like is empire strikes back a bad movie because i don't know disney just now recently retconned the lore whatever but aside from that pick a different example whatever is empire strikes back a bad movie because there are so many comics and novels i need to read to fully understand everyone's justifications and all this stuff and there's so much to do and read and consume in the expanded universe no, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back is an amazing movie. And if you haven't read any of that stuff, who cares? And if you had, great. The Witcher is a fantastic game. And if I only collected two flowers, it doesn't matter. You know, so I think for Metal Gear being this huge game where you can do all this stuff, as long as the thrust and the heart, uh, the soul of the game, so to speak, is awesome and incredible, just because you haven't left the hinterlands, that's your fault. Right. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying the game is bad for this. And again, I, I, meant, to, I meant to stress over and over that I appreciate the value put into the package, right? And I think that's good. That's what she said. I, the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the point I was, I'm trying to make is a subtle one, and, and, and maybe I'm not articulating it well enough, but I think there's a difference between offering something to me and asking something of me. And as, as gamers, is it, are these games asking so much of our time to enjoy them? that it almost becomes prohibitive to the hobby. Is it, you know, I don't know. Well, again, I'm conflicted on this. I think I get where where you're coming from because I also am not the type of gamer that is going to immerse themselves in, in for, well, maybe not anymore, uh, immerse themselves in, in a game exclusively for a super long amount of time. Um, the Witcher is a good example. I think it is very demanding and I didn't really get into it, but then, uh, Batman came out and it was a much easier thing to approach. It was kind of like a, 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 you know, a theme park where the game would spoon feed me these activities and decide for me when it was, you know, when I had had 
too much of one and offer me another one. I still could do anything I wanted, but it felt a little bit more controlled. But I think if it's possible and it doesn't destroy the world, I think you both might be right. You're just talking about something slightly different. I, it's just no, that, that does there destroy are different. The world. Right. Sorry. So, you know, we only have 24 hours left. Sorry, guys. It's like crossing Um, the streams. (laughs) But, um, but no, I think it's, it's different games for different people and, and you don't have to love all of these games equally. And something that I found out, you'll tell me if this is blasphemy, but I found that, um, I don't necessarily have to finish a game to decide that I've enjoyed it. And that's a a realization I came to only recently because I felt trapped into this idea that if I bought, you know, uh, well, The Witcher, to keep coming back to that example, I had to finish it or it, it just was, you know, I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't allowed to say I had enjoyed the game, but we're, you know, older now. We can spend our money a little bit more freely uh, for some of us. And if I buy the game and I get 10 or 15 hours of enjoyment out of it, and then I sort of get lost in it or something else grabs my attention, I still think that for 50 bucks, uh, 10 or 15 hours is a good amount of entertainment. So I've made my peace, I guess, with that idea that I'm not going to finish every game that I buy. It doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, love the game. If it, if it's, if I just played it 10 hours, maybe I'm not going to enjoy it and I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because I didn't enjoy it. But I think it's okay to not spend 150 hours in a game and it's okay to just enjoy it for what you want and just, you know, go to something else that you enjoy uh, for some of the games. Well, yeah. that, I, I hate to keep, I bring this up a lot. I feel like I, I, it, it means a lot to me. I think that is also true of whether you want to call it echo chambers or the internet world or the fandom world where it's hard to do that sometimes because you really enjoy this thing and you want to talk about it. And so the easiest way to talk about it is you go online and you want to share your experience with things, but then you're immediately shot down because you haven't played it as much as, you know, Fred has played it or, or Jennifer. And they're like, Oh, you think that's great. You got to do this to really think it's great. And like, if I were to sit here and sing the praises <laughs> of destiny as a level 22 or whatever I am, you know, people would be like, you haven't even experienced what destiny is. How can you love it at level? And you're just like, never mind. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Pac-Man 256 and call it a day. <laughs> and, and I think that's the kind of an underlying problem of this is I totally agree with you, Patrick. It's, you know, play it, get something out of it, enjoy that experience. And then if you're done with it, feel free to move on. But then it's hard to be that kind of fan sometimes because there's always someone that has done more and liked it better. <laughs> and it's discouraging. But that's, no, you know, that's that's very true. And I think if we think back uh, about, you know, any game we've played and we've played quite a bit, there's one thing that's really telling. I think everyone who's ever played any game, MMOs in particular, but I'm sure it applies to Destiny and Hearthstone and many of those games um, that basically don't have an end, everyone will describe themselves as a casual player. And no one will say, oh yeah, I'm hardcore and I do this, maybe except the top guilds in the entire world. But everyone describes themselves as a casual player, even if they play, you know, a couple of times a, a week, two, three hours, that doesn't seem like super casual to me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm basically agreeing with you. Everyone thinks they're casual, but that, that doesn't even mean anything. Just play the way you want. And, and I was going to say a bad word to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah, for me, it's just looking at, at these reviews. I'm very excited. I, I really, really liked 
Metal Gear Solid 4, as I said in last week's episode. And I loved the fact that it was like this tight 10-hour experience. And I came in at the beginning of a story, and I got out at the end of the story, and it was really something unlike any other game I'd ever played. And it was it was amazing. But I look at this that says 40 hours is just scratching the surface, and I go, oi. I'm staring are, down the barrel of Fallout like 4 this. here, people. <laughs> there there are right. games that are also tight, uh, uh, you know, compact experiences you don't have to play all the games or maybe you do i don't know yeah well i mean i think that that's just maybe my my generation to use a a word i'm sad to use uh is that you know i grew up where being a fan of video games meant you pretty much played all video games because there were only so many and now there's there are uh, an order of magnitude more games and they are they require a level of commitment that never you know, it was unprecedented. And so you sort of have to specialize. I, uh, I'm sorry, just very quickly, I need to interject here. I think this is rose-colored glasses. I remember a time when uh, Super NES games, Super NES games were touting the amount of hours that you could play in the game as a selling point. And it was, you know, 40, 60, 80 hours. Like the Final Fantasy games had these amounts of game time as selling points. I don't think games were, there might be, fewer of them but even that's that the, i'm not absolutely the point, certain there's fewer of them there were they were yeah. i mean if you look mm-hmm. at the games that were released this week or are going to be released on tuesday we have gears of war ultimate edition and we have madden as the two big ones but if you look at the actual release list there's like 40 games coming out on tuesday mm-hmm. most of them i haven't even ever heard of that was never the case when I was a kid. And and that's a I good thing. So. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. That's an amazing thing. We have this vibrant, amazing hobby that's full of all kinds of opportunity for all kinds of games to get out. But it's just it takes a a shift in perspective from, from a guy. Oh my god, Christian, I think I, I broke Jeff. He's no, I, disliking I think, things. I He's not enthusiastic. Been, I, think, I think you figured out Jeff's big lie. He says he loves loving things, but it's all here's his smoke screen. Here's how he runs for president. When you ask him a question, then he puts it back on point for his policy. Jeff critiques things and says things he hates, and at the very end says, But that's a good thing. I still love it. <laughs> right? Guys. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Jeff, you hate Batman. You hate games that are being released. Um, I also heard you hated Mad Max Fury Road. Um, what else can I say that you hate? <laughs> all of that is untrue. Uh, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, this is the theme of this episode, I guess, is these, uh, these, these games that are infinite. Uh, another but infinite you like game. That. You like that. I do. I do. I do. It's just, it's just, it's just intimidating. You know, I I think I'm literally trying to finish the Witcher before fallout. And then here comes MGS five. And it's like, Oh no, that's not, that's not a, a side thing that you can just take a little detour and play. It requires a massive commitment. Also, it's like, Oh, but I know these are first world problems. Um, speaking of games that uh, aren't out yet, but people are playing them and telling us cool things about them and are infinite. Mario Maker. We're getting the Mario Maker info coming out from uh, early copies in people's hands, including a lot of really interesting levels. Uh, Polygon put out a really interesting uh, top five Mario Maker levels so far video that I found very interesting. People are, as you might predict, uh, being very clever with the tools in Mario Maker and creating all kinds of really interesting things, including like a, a bullet hell shoot 'em up and... Um, all kinds of crazy stuff. I 
want to put out there. I, I know, Christian, you are very down on this thing. Like, no one's going to play it, which is clearly demonstrably false already. But you keep th- thinking it's going to be this massive <laughs> failure for Nintendo. Um, I want I. I will point out on in your defense, I think this is the game that is tailor suited for the YouTube generation. Insofar as most of the content in these game in in this in this game is just as enjoyable to watch once on YouTube as it is to download it and play it. Thoughts, Patrick. I am a little bit worried about Mario Maker. I agree that this is a, a super fun game to to watch, but the problem is the key to having fun watching something is at least in Mario Maker it seems to me that it's these incredibly difficult levels that people either fail at repeatedly and you laugh because you make fun of them or uh, and their misery, or they are, you know, incredibly good and they are glorious people that you admire. I'm not sure where we as normal players fit in. Are there going to be actually completable levels that are going to be fun and clever? Uh, I think well, that, in order that to upload list- the level, it has to be completable. You can't upload a level that's not completable. Agreed. Yes, I, I agree. This is going to make things a little bit better, but. I don't know. I think that those uh, top five uh, levels that you, it's a Polygon polygon article that listed the the five most creative levels and interesting levels that were uploaded to this day. Uh, Obviously, the press has been playing it for a few days or or weeks already. Um, There are a few elements that are very clever. Um, there's one where you actually can't finish the game if you, or the level, if you aren't small Mario at some points, but the, the entire level is lots of mushrooms. And so you, you, the thing you actually have to do is navigate between the mushrooms to actually finish the game. It's very clever. Avoid the power up. You have to avoid the power up. It's crazy. And then if you accidentally do hit one of the mushrooms, you have to go back in the level and find a way to hit hit an enemy because there are very, very few enemies in the entire level. Yeah. I I thought that was very clever. I'm hoping that we get lots of things like these that are also very YouTube friendly, but also, you know, uh, achievable by regular people, but I'm not sure that's where the game is going to be. So uh, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, coming back to the discussion you were having last time, it, this might be a game where people and, you know, either get their fill or at least enjoy it even more watching than actually playing. Maybe the joy is going to be to just make the levels. That's also a possibility. Maybe playing the levels isn't going to be that fun. But so I'm not sure what to think. I'm really confused about this game. Well, I think what you said at the, the bit, the last bit there, Patrick, is, is kind of where I come down on it. And to your point, Jeff, I, I think it's more fun to watch this game perhaps than to actually play it. That's kind of where I came down on the little big planet front where I you know, was a fan of that game when it came out. But then I realized I had more fun just watching people's awesome levels than actually going in and downloading them and playing them myself. You know, you watch Mario 1-1 be recreated and you watch 30 seconds of that on YouTube or Twitch and you're like, wow, that's cool. Look at that artistry. That's great. Someone makes a shmup and you watch that and you're like, that's cool. That's great. But it never led me to go into the game and download them and play them. And I think the same thing can, I predict the same thing will be true for Mario Maker. I think it will sell well. I mean, Splatoon sells well. I think relatively it won't sell that well because there are only so many (laughs) we use out there. 
But I, I do think most people will get their fix from watching clips of this game and just going, oh, that's crazy. That mushroom level, that's crazy. You should, people should watch that. It's insane. I don't think people need to download it and play it because I don't know how much that adds to enjoyment of seeing that. Like, oh, can I do that? That's a totally different type of enjoyment than seeing it, appreciating the, appreciating the creativity and artistry that went into making it. And I think for very few people that will lead to, I need to try that myself. My position is that part of what makes Mario compelling is what I can't do. And insofar as uh, I have to get through this level in order to play the next one. And that's the carrot on the stick, right? Is to see the next cool thing. And if you have infinite cool things and you can always just jump in and jump out and dabble, I don't understand why, what the hook is for me to play it. I, I like watching it. I like that it exists. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that having infinite Mario levels might not be a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. It, it certainly ma- makes me feel like this is gotta be the last 2d Mario game ever, unless they dramatically change something and add no. some crazy thing. No, it's the thing. Not everyone is Miyamoto or, you know, whoever is doing Mario now. They, I, I think that the issue is going to be that you're going to have, I hope there are going to be good levels, but I'm worried there there aren't. There are going to be lots of clever levels. I'm not sure there are going to be lots of good levels. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you can um, make collections of levels. You know, you have one, 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 two, one, three. So that aspect of it, you're going to get a pack like a mini Mario thing that could be address the issue you you you, you were talking about, Jeff. But um, maybe. All right. Well, let's move on. I do want to talk uh, about stuff we've played in the playlist but first of all i do need to thank our sponsor hover when you have a great idea and you want to secure a domain name for it you want something catchy and memorable to represent your online identity with hover you'll find the perfect domain to bring your idea to life it's easy just search for the domain you want or enter a few keywords and hover will show you the best available options and suggestions they have a huge variety of domain extensions like .com .net .io and country codes to best suit your needs You'll get a smart control panel built in DNS, and you can even add a custom email or Google Apps if you want as well. Hover offers a valet transfer service to make it as easy as possible to move your domains for no additional cost, and they do all the dirty work to move your domain over from your current registrar. And to top it all off, Hover has real human beings available for support with no wait, no hold, no transfer phone service. Oh, that's nice. I like that. If you've got any problems, you just pick up the phone and call. So head over to hover.com, H-O-V-E-R.com slash five by five to learn more and get the domain of your dreams. Thanks to Hover for supporting the show and supporting five by five. All right, guys, uh, let's move on right now to the playlist. Patrick, what is on your playlist? I, I think it's games we've already been talking about. Let's, uh, let's delve <laughs> yeah, a little deeper. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully bring something to the to the conversation. Um, just before, I just want to say, listening to the to the jingles in normal speed is very weird. I, I listen to the show uh, at twice the speed all the time, so <laughs> it sounds very strange. Just that's to funny. That out. Wow, um, I never thought about. So that. yeah, I, I guess. 
hyped by the upcoming expansions. I've been playing mostly Hearthstone and Destiny. I've tried a little bit of Heroes again. I always come back to it every couple of weeks. I play, you know, I launch the thing and then I'm like, yeah, I can't. Um, kind of like what you do, Jeff, with Destiny. Um, and a <laughs> little bit man. of WoW, you know, it's always in the background. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, um, and But yeah, so Hearthstone and, and Destiny, and I just want to say, explain a little bit to people who haven't uh, really gotten into these two games, maybe why I think they're valuable and they're interesting. And for Hearthstone, what brings me to, to play it a little bit more is that I've always been interested in StarCraft and you know, real-time strategy games and the strategy aspect of those games, but I've never had the reflexes and the, you know, the twitchiness of actually being able to pull off the things I want to pull off. Hearthstone does the strategy part perfectly. It is a very, very deep game. It's, you know, when you start playing the game, you think you get it and you think you understand and, and you think that, once you see what's on the board and what's in your hand, you know what you should be doing. And there's basically one right answer. Uh, but you find out as you, you learn a little bit more that there are things that you didn't think about that work better if you play it this way and that way or in that order. But unlike StarCraft or other strategy games, you actually have time to think about it, right? You have a minute and a half per turn to decide what you're going to do. And so for me, what, what Hearthstone did was that it brought the possibility of actually enjoying a strategy game in the way that hadn't existed before. Um, so that's why I really like Hearthstone and that's why I come back to it every couple of months and, and binge on it for a while. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's why the game works. Um, the the other the other game is Destiny again a game we've been talking about. Um, I the the way I would explain my love for Destiny is the fact that this is basically the only online uh, PVE shooter that there is. There are tons of PVP shooters. Uh, you know, basically all of the Call of Duties and and uh, Halo. Well, not Halo so much anymore, but CS:GO. And there are tons of online co co uh, competitive shooters. There are very few. PVE shooters where you get together with a friend and, or, you know, even strangers. I'm, I'm a very, uh, <laughs> isolated player. I don't like to interact with people. So I just go through the matchmaking thing and it pairs me with a couple of people and we just have fun together for this one mission. And, um, it's, it's very, very well crafted for that. It's, as we were saying, uh, completely copied from the MMO end game system. So you have currencies that you need to grind. You have a chance of getting uh, certain pieces of gears at certain places. You have raids that are more difficult. It's completely an, an MMO end game, but, um, there aren't really any other experience in my, you know, opinion that offer this kind of thing for uh, uh, an FPS. Uh, some people might argue that, um, uh, oh, Borderlands does that. I disagree because it's not organized with those missions that you go do and those uh, uh, currencies that you accumulate. And so that is an experience that is, again, in my opinion, 
pretty unique in the game in gaming landscape right now. And that, I think that's why Destiny is succeeding. Um, not to say that it's succeeding because it doesn't have competition, but because it does that really well. And by the way, we forgot to mention this, but it might be coming to PC at some point in the future. The uh, Bungie is hiring PP, PC people. So that's a possibility. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that's why I love those two games. And uh, that's me. Yeah. No, that's great. What about you, Christian? What's on your playlist? Uh, the thing I, I think people may be most interested in hearing about is I spent some time with the Black Ops 3 beta on PS4. I've also been playing just to tell people what I've been doing. Because I also, we've been, this has been Welcome Back from Vacation Week with uh, Jeff and Christian. You were yeah. in Europe. I was in Wyoming. I was uh, busted out Donkey Kong Country Returns for the 3DS and have been plowing my way through that. Um, still a great game. It was a great game on Wii. Uh, I think it's a better game on 3DS. Those games are highly portable and the graphics take a little bit of a hit. You lose 60 frames per second, but um, I love not uh, having waggle control <laughs> forced on me. Um, that's a fantastic game, oldie and a goodie. And then um, the Black Ops 3 beta on the PS4. It's really interesting, the evolution of Call of Duty, especially because the hate it gets for, oh, another Call of Duty, it's the same thing. And if you look at, Modern Warfare to Black Ops 3, I think the amount of evolution you see in what, at the end of the day, yes, is a first-person shooter, left-trigger, right-trigger game. Obviously, they're not going the Mortal Kombat route with, the, what was it, Shaolin Monks or, you know, something. They're not creating a 2D side-scroller beat-em-up based in the Call of Duty universe, which, if it came out for $20, I would probably play it. <laughs> um, but the type of changes they've made to these games over the years is astonishing, and Kudos to Treyarch for stepping up and becoming the top-tier Call of Duty developer. Kudos to them at the sacrifice to their lives and families. But what what they've introduced in the game now and what this beta is are the idea of specialists that come preloaded with kind of two types of perks or power-ups that you select um, when you load out your character. So you still get to do your loadout with your main weapon, your secondary weapon type of grenades and um, stuff like that. But for instance, there's a character that has the glitch technique that is shown in the single player campaign. And, you know, when you activate this power, you reset to where you were a couple of seconds ago, but everything else in the world remains the same. So you're running, a guy finds your position, you glitch back to where you were, then you're out of that line of fire. Someone else has an arc rifle, um, you know. Like so, so this is basically Tracer from Overwatch, right? Yeah. And it, it's it's that it's that type of thing where they're maybe cribbing from other games, but putting them in Call of Duty, but still keeping it pretty dang balanced to be the eSport that it is and the, the hugely popular and competitive multiplayer game that it is. And they keep adding more and more stuff. When I was playing late last night and I took a step back and I looked at all these characters with their loadouts and their abilities, and if you had told me this was Destiny 3, I was playing just the multiplayer version of it, I would have believed you. It, it's so futuristic and such a a wildly different game than where these games started and wall running, um, jumping from one wall to another as you have your wall boost meter, you know, you, you're tracking that to see if you could make this leap to get this position, to get this thing feels very team fortress two ish or it's a long it, way from uh, honoring grandpa's legacy in call of duty two. <laughs> yes, it, it, it really is. Um, and so kudos to them for doing that. I, and the game seems from the beta very well made and put together and, 
Um, I think fans of the series will enjoy it. But if you aren't a fan of the series, I think it's worth watching some videos of the multiplayer and the things that they're putting in to see if this does enough to get you back. For me, it 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 still scares me too much in the sense that I I have decision paralysis where there are so many different loadouts where I feel like whatever I do, I'm doing it wrong. And that's mostly at the end of the day, it's my skills that are wrong, not my, not my loadout. But it feels easy to blame like, oh, that guy killed me with the that scope. So if I got that, that's the that's the issue. Got to respect, got to <laughs> grind to get my guy to get this gear. Um, have you have either of you spent any time with this game? Or have you been keeping up with it? Jeff? No, no, no. I've been I've been in Europe. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited from what I saw at E3. I think that was the last time I really got to a, a, a solid look at it. And as I said, the the thing, the feature then that got me excited is the feature now that I'm still most excited about it. And, and that is, has nothing to do with PVP, but is all about uh, co-op for the, uh, the campaign. I mean, that's, that's what makes me have fun in first person shooters. Uh, so would you, you know. buy a, a campaign released alone for $35? Oh yeah, I don't. I have no need for the multiplayer. So like more than half anyway. price of the full game, but it's just the single player. Would you? Would that? Well, that as a, opposed to sixty for <laughs> for the a part that I also don't really play much of. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely do that. Interesting. I uh, do that Patrick, too. Are you, are you yeah, a COD guy? Um, so I loved uh, Modern Warfare One and Two. I think they were, you know, earth shattering uh, games that completely made us rethink what we thought uh, FPSs were and the storytelling you could do, um, or at least the experiences you could have. Um, I've fallen off the bandwagon, I guess, uh, over the years. I did come back for the one from last year, uh, Advanced Warfare, was it? But I'm also a, um, a PvE person, and I didn't, I did, it didn't grab me. It was so, you know, raw, we're, we're bros and soldiers, and we're gonna blow up everything. And I was like, okay, it's maybe not for me um but you know i completely understand what you're saying about the it's just call of duty uh haters because that's pretty much what we hear about uh world of warcraft and a lot of people think that this is more of the same and obviously in a way it is but um i also understand that some people actually love that thing and they're very happy to get more of it that is different enough that is going to keep their interest going um the co-op aspect of the pve of the single player campaign or well multiplayer campaign is what i think might get me back into it i did play pvp a little bit at a point but never like the fanatic that uh, uh i don't know you seem to be christian i i wish i was i'm not that hardcore i, I think it's just what i appreciate about this game and i think you hit this with a couple of series it's important i think to hit that pause button and look back because it's so easy to fall into the echo chamber of another year another cod another year another same stuff blah 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 explosion 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 and while at some level true what these teams have been able to do in terms of retaining the fan base, and yes, you can show me statistics that the series isn't at the all-time high it was you know, for Black Ops 2 or whatever the bestseller was, but largely retaining hardcore fans and, and that wide audience while introducing new mechanics is, is pretty incredible where I feel like a lot of other games don't take as many risks as Call of Duty games while staying true to their franchise and people in the chat are saying, oh, they're just copying Titanfall and 
you know, cribbing from other sources. And I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are looking at what else is out there. But being able to take those mechanics and those ideas and integrating them into a call of duty without everybody crying wolf saying, you've ruined my call of duty, I think is pretty fascinating. And, and I think it's worth a tip of the cap. Hmm. That's all. Uh, anything else on your playlist there, Christian? Uh, I'll mention quickly two iOS games. Pac-Man 256 is a free-to-play game made by the people who made Crossy Road. You can play it completely for free. And then, of course, there's this weird monetization system where you can tokens for weird power-ups that do this, that, or whatever. Um, free-to-play games scare me a little bit because I think it's on purpose. The way they monetize and the different currencies in the game is confusing. So you're like, what did I just ate? Nah, dang it. Um, and you spent money. But that said, at the top of the screen, there is a play for free, no power-ups. It's worth downloading, checking out. I think, again, what people have been able to do with Pac-Man over the years between CX or CE, whatever, CX, whatever that one was called. CE, I think. CE, championship, um, whatever it is. Great game. This is also a really fun, fascinating take. It's kind of the isometric perspective on Pac-Man, and it's playing off of 256 is the level when the kill screen is chasing you from the bottom. So it's an endless runner meets Pac-Man where you're still trying to eat ghosts and navigate the maze. And then, um, oh, I always get the name of this game wrong because it's kind of not the great name. Horizon Chase World Tour, I always want to call it World Horizon, um, is pays homage to games like OutRun and the like with a really cool, um, for shortcut, cell-shaded type approach to those graphics, um, retro-inspired 80s. I think if you play it while listening to the Hotline Miami 2 soundtrack, I think you'll have a good time. And it's simple, touchscreen, it's, I think, $3, no in-app purchases. And it's a really enjoyable, quick throwback to that style of arcade racer. It is called Horizon Chase. Jeff, what is on your playlist? Well, the thing that got me through my uh, my two-week vacation, video game-wise, uh, was Luton Legends. You've probably heard me talk about it before. <clears throat> it's, the, it's Card Hunters, but for the iPad. Oh, uh, my gosh. It's really, really, really well done on the iPad. My biggest gripe is uh, that you can't play it. It's a single-player game, and you can't play it unless you have an internet connection, which is so frustrating for a guy <laughs> that was on a 10-hour flight <laughs> twice and wanted to play lots of that game. Um, and I know why, right? It's because this is a free-to-play game that has all kinds of hooks for for you know, microtransaction, in-app purchases and all that stuff. And I think they handle those purchases for the most part pretty smartly. Uh, it, it it bugs you a lot uh, to, to buy things, but it does it sort of cute and in the game, and it doesn't really come off as too distracting. And one of the big things that you can buy is this membership that lets you get extra pieces of loot after every battle, uh, which is pretty cool and is pretty compelling and tempting, but because it constantly has to check in with its servers as to whether or not you've purchased that, you have to have an internet connection. And that's, there's got to be a way to make this game so that I can play it on a flight uh, that is, yeah, does not have internet. internet. Yeah, buy the internet. No, these international, <laughs> these international flights, I don't think they have them, or at least mine didn't. But, um, no, they don't. Unfortunately, yeah. it makes me sad every time. Because <laughs> the airplanes are flying too high, right? I think that's the reason. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a physicist. All I know is I want to play my game. That's play a game that's a single player podcast. game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I just want to play the game. Okay. So the game is very good. It's very, very good. And, and I think the iPad implementation, I've finally put a whole bunch of hours into it. And um, man, 
the way that the cards play against each other. And I got really into card hunters when it first came out like two years ago. And so now that I'm back into it, really seeing how it has evolved and changed and how the balance of the game has really changed a lot. And there were some really huge difficulty spikes originally that they've smoothed out. And uh, it, the game is it, it's so fun. And the way that getting loot affects your deck of cards that you're going to play and how the loot makes sense and the way it changes the mechanics of how you play your character. It is all so tight and so cool. And I think it's really cool. They've added this, um, this arena mode that you can play that is tied into the microtransactions, but in a way that's sort of like Hearthstone where you're tempted to, you know, to tap into it every so often. Um, And so you balance, I was bouncing back and forth between playing arena mode and playing the campaign mode. Anyway, I played a lot of it, and it's very, very good. It's called Loot and Legends. You can download it for free on the iPad. I think it's probably available for Android as well, but I don't know. Um, I played my 1,000th uh, match of Heroes of the Storm last night when I got back uh, from Europe. Um, so that happened. Uh, the, the new patch hit while I was gone. So were, were you, like, uh, foaming at the mouth? You were like, oh, I need to play my heroes. Yeah. I need to play my 1,000th match. Excellent. It was a little. It was a little bad. It was a little bad for a while. You know, it's like any other addiction. After after long enough away, you kind of go, "Oh yeah, I didn't need that anymore." And then you get back to it, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> hey baby, I've missed you." Um, but uh, the it was brutal. You know, I left having climbed up to level four rank rank fourteen in uh, Heroes League, and then all got wiped. And now I'm I'm muddling through these uh, placement matches, which are brutal. Uh, have been brutal. I've played five of them so far. I think I've lost all of those uh, because I'm solo queuing, which is probably not smart, but I just want to get back into ranked mode. And uh, it's, guys, it's so it's brutal. The teams that I've been getting are just, uh, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. They've been incompetent. And that's sad. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll move on from Heroes of the Storm. I want to talk about something specifically because you were here, Patrick. Have you, have you ever been uh, to Provence? So I'm probably I, I'm a real Parisian, which means I've basically never been out of Paris. Um, oh, wow. So I, you could have been to a different country and <laughs> I wouldn't know what you're talking about. But that country you were in, I was, you know, seeing your pictures on Instagram. It looks really nice. I would like it to go really there. It is really cool. You should go there. You should really go to France, <laughs> Patrick. Uh, so I was in Provence. I, I was in two places. Uh, I went to Lisbon, Portugal, uh, for the first week, and then Provence, France, for the second week. And I should really thank uh, Francisco in Lisbon, who is the listener, and welcomed me there and showed me, took us out to a cool dinner that was a local spot. It was really, really cool. So it was neat seeing somebody that uh, was a friendly face there. But in Provence, uh, I went to this thing called, I'll pronounce it wrongly, and then you can correct me, Patrick, uh, Cherez. De Lumière? Almost, almost. Carrière almost. de Lumière. All right. That. I went to that. Uh, and it, uh, it it has nothing to do with video games, but I think kind of everything to do with video games. It was amazing. It's at this place called Le Beau, which is uh, this, this medieval castle, which, first of all, I was at a medieval castle, and so I felt like I was in The Witcher for real, which was awesome. Uh, but this is a very futuristic <laughs> You Americans thing. are so cute. Yeah, we are. We're adorable. Um, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I, this thing is cool. So it's, it's this rock quarry that there's this giant interior section. And this place is massive. It, it is like the biggest Costco you've ever been inside times 10, <laughs> uh, for Americans. Uh, and, um, 
and it's all stone, but it's like smooth, not smooth. It's, it's rocky, but it's this cavernous stone interior cave thing, but it's not a cave. There's these giant square columns everywhere and everything's white. They're not square. Um, (laughs) I know I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. Uh, So you walk into this thing, you pay money, you walk into it and every surface, the floor, the columns, the walls, and this is like 30 foot high ceilings, right? You're in this massive place. It's dark, but every surface is projected imagery. They have projectors everywhere. And this place is huge. And there's like corridors you can walk down and you can wander around in it. And there's tons of people everywhere. And they're projecting imagery on every surface. And there's these, there's different programs that you can watch. One of the ones that we watched was this thing all about Renaissance art. So there's these, you know, they're showing Michelangelo paintings, the Sistine Chapel, all kinds of stuff, and Da Vinci drawings and everything. And they appear enormous, 30 foot high in front of you, like huge close-ups of them, and they're moving, and they're on the floor beneath you, and you're just engulfed by this experience, which is amazing and very transportive. And it just, it, you feel disoriented kind of, but overwhelmed by it and there's music playing and it's it like the Carmina Burana came on at one point when Da Vinci was gone. It was just like this awesome feeling, right? And I couldn't help but think they're really missing an opportunity here. <laughs> they need to make one of these, but instead of doing, you know, cool culture things, which I really did like, but they could build any kind of environment you want out of imagery. They could make you feel like you're wandering around anywhere. I mean, it, it really is kind of the holodeck in a, in a so large sense. So basically, this is an old school VR helmet is what you're, what you're saying. It, you're, no helmet required, right? You're actually yeah. in it and it's gigantic and it's all around. You could feel like you're walking down a street in New York City and then you could feel like you're walking on Mars and you could feel like you're whatever. It could be super cool. Um, so I just wanted to bring it up because uh, if you are anywhere around Provence, I highly recommend checking this out. Patrick, will you say the name of it again? Uh, it's Carrière de, Lumi- de Lumière, Carrière de Lumière, but it means Quarry of Lights. So Quarry I of Lights, dude, quarry go to the lights. Quarry of Lights. That's amazing. <laughs> Come on, the Quarry of Lights. I turned to my wife at one point. I was like, how do we build one of these in America and make it like, make the Quarry of Lights be y- y- like a VR experience? It would be amazing. I think people would dig it. And uh, you first, first, A, we need to find a quarry, guys. B, we get some lights. <laughs> C, profit. Okay. Anyway, um, so that's what I want to talk about on my playlist. Let's uh, let's move on from there and uh, carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Cavern of Lights, you guys! How cool an idea is that? Uh, Patrick, you played a game. I think I talked about this uh, last week or the week before, but um, we're both fans of the gentleman that made it. Friends and fans. So tell me about the game that you've played. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I... I wasn't sure what I could talk about on, on tabletop time because I'm not a board game gamer at all. I think the last one I've, I've played was probably, you know, risk 
30 years ago. Um, but as it turns out, I also was at Nerdtacular a few weeks ago, and I did get to play uh, the pre-release version of the game The Contender, uh, which was created by our good friend Justin Robert Young and uh, a few other people. And it's a game, I guess you described it, but I'll do it very quickly. You, It's a kind of a Cards Against Humanity shtick where you play a uh, candidate to the the presidential election and you get cards that you have to con construct an argument with to beat your opponents and there is a, a judge that decides whether or not you are uh, you have a better argument than the others and then the judge will you know uh, rotates and you construct these ridiculous silly arguments that make no sense but are really funny if you put it in the context of what the person said before and it's obviously reminiscent of some of the nonsense that we sometimes hear in political debates so especially uh, now that the uh, presidential election in the US is uh, the race is heating up. I think it's a super fun thing. It's still available on Kickstarter by the way um, if you want to check it out but once it's out I think it would be it's a really fun thing and I certainly had a lot of fun when I didn't think these kinds of games were for me um, now admittedly there was a a certain amount of alcohol consumed at that uh, table so maybe Nothing that, that. But, yeah but you know I think that 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 improved the experience that was already pretty fun so yeah the contender is my uh, card game and it was super fun yeah, I, I would second that. I mean, we, we should, as a caveat, say we're friends with Justin Robert Young and also yep. Patrick used to work at Blizzard. So <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've scratched those off the list. But yeah, it is, it's it's great fun. It's a fun, silly idea. It is a, a lot of what you put into it, you, you know, really asks you to, to buy into the concept and, and have fun with it. But it facilitates the fun in a really great way. And again, that's called The Contender. Christian, tabletop time? Well, I mentioned it last week and I talked about this game too many times on this show, but it uh, it remains a hit. We played Masquerade with the in-laws, and it went uh, smashingly well. Masquerade is the game we first played, I think, you and I together, Jeff, at... Um, oh, come on. At, uh, at, at National Tabletop Day. That's right. Thank you, National Tabletop Inter Day. And um, they enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, it was my first time to be the rule explainer for a group uh, of people. I think I did a, a very good job at it. The game went along smashingly and it was a success. I tried a very unique strategy in our, our last game and it blew up in my face as a uh, <laughs> future tale of fail. Uh, we'll come forward with the full details of that. But the game, you know, has now played well across all ages that understand it. And if you still haven't checked it out, maybe, uh, maybe give it a try. It's called Masquerade and it's pretty inexpensive too. I think it's under 20 bucks, right? Yeah, I think we got it on Amazon for 15 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't much. If my if my father in law asks, it was soup expensive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's a uh, Bruno Faiduti game. So. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Cash and Guns. I don't think I've ever mentioned Cash and Guns on this show, but it's a game that has been in my collection for a long, long time. It's a wild, wacky, silly. I would consider it a party game, but it's not technically a party game. But it, it's really a game about um, creating a Mexican standoff. If you know what those are from the movies, Quentin Tarantino made them very famous in Reservoir Dogs. It's when everybody pulls out their guns at the same time and nobody can shoot because everybody's pointing their guns at each other. This is that in a board game. It's uh, You're a bunch of outlaws, a bunch of uh, gangsters, and you've all got actual foam guns. 
And uh, when <laughs> at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of each round of the game, everybody points their gun at somebody, threatening them. And you have cards in your hand that are either bang cards or click cards. So whether or not the shot goes off or it, you're out of bullets and it goes click, click. Um, and you have to you know play one down in advance so that everybody else at the table doesn't know whether you actually can hurt them or not. And then uh, you, people decide if they have guns pointed at them whether or not they'll back down and uh, bow out of the confrontation or whether or not they're going to see this through and hope that the click, click happens. Uh, it's pretty wild and wacky and really fun. There is a new second edition that I just got that uh, has new artwork, has new guns. The guns are the same shape and size, but now they're black with orange tips instead of completely orange. And it actually has support now for eight players, which is really cool because the game before was only up to six. And it really is a game that the more people playing it, the better. I've seen uh, conventions where they have many copies of this and they'll do like 30 or 40 people at once playing it, which is just insane. Uh, but it is wild fun. Um, you know, I, I I think this game is is great. The new artwork is by John Kavalik, who is the guy who does Munchkin, and he also does the comic uh, Dork Tower. And so the artwork I really enjoy. The uh, the new there's some new rules that they've, they've tweaked the game in some really interesting ways. Removed certain cards, added other cards, changed things around. I think the component quality is improved. Uh, this is an easy to recommend game. Of course, uh, for people that aren't comfortable pointing fake guns at each other, I can understand that. I'm not a huge fan of guns in it myself, but I can get behind the, the fun fiction of this in a, in a silly movie kind of way. And, and boy, it people people laugh a lot while they're playing this because there's nothing sillier than sitting in a group of six to eight people and on the count of three, everybody points a gun in, at each other and there's this mass of like everybody pointing everything at everyone. Uh, and you all start giggling and trying to decide whether you're going to back down or face the consequences. Um, so that's cash and guns. That's actually cash and then the letter N and then guns. And it's second edition, which just came out. I think it is pretty much in every way better than the first edition. It improves on the game in a significant way. So uh, I, easy to recommend for me. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of DLC. Uh, we're, we do have a parting gift to give you if you hang out. For just a couple of minutes, but I have to thank Patrick Beja for being here. Patrick, you are a friend and is, it took us too long to get you on the show, but I'm glad it was really fun having you on. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I've been a longtime listener back since, uh, you know, the TRS days and, uh, it was great to be here. Very glad that Ooh, I could man. do it. Where can people follow your work this week? If they're inclined. I guess the easiest way to go is either Facebook or Twitter. I'm not Patrick on both of those. And uh, if you want to listen to another gaming show, you can go to my website called Frenchspin.com and you'll find the show called Pixels there. It's a it's really a, a gaming news show. We try to summarize the news from the past couple of weeks. It's a bi-monthly show and uh, it's sort of a one-stop shop where you can get all of the important news in one place. The other thing I would recommend is a show called The Felix Club, also available on frenchspin.com. And that's a monthly show. We gather people from different countries uh, around the world every month, and we ask them to tell us how they uh, received the news from the past month. So you'll get, you know, someone from Saudi Arabia, from the US, from France, from Hong Kong, and we'll discuss how we get the news. And that's 
often, well, I would like to think uh, often enlightening for many people. Both of those shows are at frenchspin.com. I was on the Phileas Club once like five years ago, maybe more. Yeah, you were you were on a, co- a couple of a uh, couple of times. I can I can get you back on if you're if you're willing. Oh yeah, I'm always willing. Yep. Oh, whew, I, I thought you were going to say, oh no, I, I'm fine. No, that no, was, no, that no, would have been awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, how about you? What do you got coming up other than PAX this week? PAX Saturday, one p.m. I believe we're in the Phoenix Sphinx. Sphinx. I think we're in the Sphinx room. I don't know. Look in the schedule. They have it up. They have a wonderful uh, schedule where you can see everything that's up, and then come to our show Saturday, one p.m. I will be at the Comedy Underground Thursday through Saturday. One show Thursday, two shows Friday and Saturday. Love to see um, some listeners and some friendly faces at those shows as well. And then I'm home for just a day, and then it's off to Austin, Texas for the Out of Bounds Festival. I will be bringing the show Improv versus Stand Up. It's the Upright Citizens Brigade show I do out here and in New York to Austin, and then doing some stand-up spots as well. That is the Out of Bounds Festival in Austin, Texas. And of course, I have an album out uh, online on iTunes and at CD Baby. It is just $5. It is called Moment in Time. And uh, I do a comedy podcast with Dean Del Rey. You might have heard on Joe Rogan's podcast or Mark Marin's. Um, it is called Bitchin'. It's on all things comedy. Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. Pacific, we are live. You can call in. We will talk about whatever you want to talk about and then the rss goes up on dean's podcast let there be talk mr canada now that you're back in the u.s what is the first thing that you're doing this week crispy cream hamburger crispy cream hamburger yep no no <laughs> man you eat so well in europe my goodness i ate well oh i had a glass of wine with every meal and it was like reasonable to buy you get three dollars for a glass of wine at a meal in la <laughs> it's like 15 the- the the one thing uh, aside from the wine, which is you know obviously superior in France uh, and in Provence, especially uh, the 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 one thing that I noticed through my many travels in in the U.S. is that uh, in many parts of the of the world, uh, eating well means eating a lot. You know, like a good meal is going to be a lot of food because you feel full and you're you're happy, right. you're satiated. Uh, in France, we it's it's really a different way of of thinking about it eating well is really like tasty super tasty and really uh finely crafted food so um yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it on behalf of my country thank you oh thank you thank you sir (laughs) uh yeah you should check out some of my other shows i'll be back on the slash filmcast that's a slash filmcast.com talking about movies also, uh, We Have Concerns is a comedy show. Hey, if you're going to be at PAX, not only is DLC going to be there, but We Have Concerns is also going to be there Saturday night at 930. We have a live show there. Uh, should be a lot of fun. We'll have some fun, wacky stuff going on at that show as well. But check out the show. WeHaveConcerns.com is where you find that. And uh, I should say, also, before we get to the parting gift, uh, our last sponsor, Cashfly, Provided the bandwidth this month for the show and all the shows at 5x5. And Cashfly is the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. They uh, deliver all the content here at 5x5, and, and they really are the best. So if you want to visit visit Cashfly.com, that's C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. Let them know that you heard about it on 5x5. That it's a good idea to sponsor these shows. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, let's get to the parting gift, shall we? 
Patrick, do you have a parting gift to get the people through their week? I do, sir, and maybe through their month and possibly the rest of their lives because there's so much content on that thing. It's pretty amazing. Uh, it's a YouTube channel called Crash Course, and I think many people will have heard of it already, but if you haven't, go check it out. It's uh, the Green Brothers, very famous YouTubers, who started out this channel as basically a way to make uh, courses in many different areas. You know, there are there's biology, physics, like Lots of stuff, economy, bunch of stuff, and, but making them in a super fun and YouTube-like, uh, the good side of YouTube-like way. And it's super engaging, super fun, super clever, super informative, super educational, super everything. Crash Course is the YouTube channel you want to go check out. Awesome. How about you, Christian? Parting gift? Well, yeah, I mean, this is the time to sign up for Ashley Madison. Like, what are the chances they're going to get hacked again? Um, you know, if you oh, haven't. Man. I read some of those in. emails this morning that Patrick Klepik uh, was posting a link of some, some emails of people. It's just it's yeah, so horrifying. It's this is it. Jump in now. Um, <laughs> your, your data secure. Um, there's a sketch comedy group out here in Los Angeles called Women. And it's made up of a bunch of stand-ups maybe you've seen or heard of. Dave Ross, Jake Wiseman, Alan Strickman-Williams, and Pat Bishop. And they had been putting stuff out on YouTube and Funny or Die for years. And then they did a four-episode, four-sketch release on IFC's digital channel, Comedy Crib. And I believe it's Tuesday um, this week. They have four more sketches coming out. The sketch group is called Women, and they will be on IFC Comedy Crib. And I think they're just a really funny, fresh I hate to use the word alternative, but alternative take on sketch comedy that falls outside of what you'll see at, you know, UCB under the game, which is great, too. You know, it's like you follow this game, you hit these jokes and you move on to the third beat and then you close it out with the blackout. They do some really interesting, creative and oftentimes dark comedy. And um, I think they're hilarious women. And it's on IFC's comedy crib. Kanata, what about you? Man, you know, I may be uh, old fashioned and uh, boring and a goody two shoes, but this Addison, Ashley Madison thing, I, I really honestly, there's nothing that feels as good to me as having a clear conscience. Like, honestly. Anyway, just, just what about, what about uh, clear eyes? Full hearts? Well, then you can't you lose. can't lose. Um, <gasps> I, any reference to that show, I have to say I love it. I'm sorry. I, that's it. Have you seen, sorry, so sorry, Jeff, don't, sorry, Patrick. Have you seen the Alamo Draft House Theaters? They have like, you know, a strict no texting policy and their new yes, pre-show videos, Coach Taylor. It's great. It's amazing. So good. It's great. Uh, so another thing that I watched uh, a lot over, over my vacation, I had been recommended this show and I watched the first episode and I was like, I don't get it. I don't see what people love <laughs> about this thing. And then I went on the Slash Film cast and Dave and Devendra both said, no, you got to give it a second chance. And I am so glad I did. BoJack Horseman is brilliant brilliant in every way especially as somebody who lives in los angeles and worked in the entertainment industry oh man it's so on point it's so funny and it's actually about something it's not just jokes the first uh, episode i was like eh, these jokes are okay you know i get it okay whatever i don't understand that whatever boy by midway through that first season i i was like this this is a work of genius these guys are so it's really heart felt and kind of poignant and deep 
Um, and it's a cartoon about a horse that used to be in a sitcom called Horsin' Around. I, I mean, the, the, what they can mine out of that premise is remarkable. BoJack Horseman Season 2 just hit Netflix. It's on Netflix. Um, and Season 2 is even better than Season 1, if that's possible. It's, I mainlined this show. It was uh, There's a, very, very good. A comedian out it? here. I have. It's fantastic. But oh. around the time Season 2 came out, Matt Engelbretson, funny guy, great friend, uh, tweeted. And it was just like, remember, it's funny. It's something I'm butchering his tweet, but something along the lines of, it's funny now how binge watching a TV show is heralded and something to brag about where it used to be something so shameful and dark. <laughs> and it's like yeah. stream mainline it, put it in your veins, don't come out of your room. And it's like, yeah, do that thing. Whereas before it was just like, yeah, uh, Jeff has a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But not, not usually had good connotations, <laughs> but no. But it's so good. Yeah. Bojack Horseman, definitely worth the, worth the watch. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this episode of DLC. Uh, thanks to uh, Patrick Beja, Christian Spicer, all the folks at 5 by 5 Thanks to all of you guys for listening. Thanks to our folks in the chat room. You guys are awesome. Thanks for being here and improving our show by participating in real time. We love that. We will talk to you next week uh, from PAX. Oh, my gosh, that's exciting. I hope to see you all there. Please come to the show. Say hi. Until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.